Hello and welcome to The Jared White Show, a weekly podcast where we gather to celebrate the best of internet culture, advocate for an open web, revel in geek fandom, and discover what it means to be a creator of integrity in 2020 and beyond. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is episode 46, recorded January 7th, 2020. Yes, it's the first episode of 2020. We made it. woo Well, at least I made it. <laughs> if you didn't make it, then you must be a ghost or a zombie. Please don't eat my brain. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully we don't have ghosts and zombies listening to the show. Thank you for being fully human as we begin this New year and first episode of 2020. Uh, hey, listen, folks, uh, I'm, I'm switching it up here. I'm, I'm going to mix things up a bit for the new year. I'm, I'm back from vacation, full of ideas, and a uh, couple, couple major format changes right off the bat. So, uh, so this episode is, is the, first, the first one in this new, uh, this new lineup and uh, the first change is that every episode, every week, I will be answering listener questions. Yes, that's right. You can send in your questions, and I will answer them on every episode. And there are two specific ways to do that, two specific ways to get your questions onto the show, and I will uh, get to those uh, just a little bit later in this program. Uh, and also, the second thing... There will be a bonus segment of the show every week just for my patrons. An exclusive bonus episode just for my patrons over at Patreon. So if you are a Patreon member, you will get this bonus episode. You will get an email and there's also a new podcast RSS link that you can use to subscribe to those bonus episodes in your podcast player of choice. If you are not yet a Patreon member... Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash essentiallifejared. Sign up there. The lowest tier is only $2. And every member, no matter what tier they select, uh, will get these bonus episodes. So, so I will record a regular length episode here for the general public, and then I'll immediately go into my bonus episode, and that will be exclusively part of my Patreon membership. So check that out. Uh, hope you had a good time over the holidays. Hope, hope things went well. Hope you were, were healthy and hale and had good time with family and friends. Uh, I had a bit of a crazy time uh, out of the blue right before New Year's. Uh, I had a wisdom tooth go all wonky on me. And uh, as you can imagine, trying to find a dentist's office that is open around New Year's holiday <laughs> is not easy. Uh, but I finally got to see somebody yesterday. I'm on antibiotics, I'm taking ibuprofen and uh, trying to muscle my way through here. Uh, I'm sure it's going gonna, it's gonna to need to get taken out pretty soon. Um, but uh, need to get the swelling down first. So... <laughs> It's probably way more information than you need to know, but uh, yeah, holidays were a little bit crazy, but uh, but thankfully, uh, thankfully the family's all well and and we're doing well now. So uh, you know, other than this tooth hassle, uh, things are good. Life is good. Uh, 
Uh, so let's get right to it. I uh, have a whole bunch of topics to go over today. And uh, this first main topic is very, very, very interesting. So uh, on Mastodon, on my, uh, on my account at openweb.social, jared at openweb.social, I went on a bit of a rant and it blew up as, as much as you can expect something to blow up on a federated social network among geeks. Uh, got a total of 64 interactions uh, split between uh, favorites and retoots. Got dozens of comments. Uh, so I was really surprised at the, the level of passion people had on this uh, topic. Uh, people agreeing with me, people disagreeing with me. Uh, so I just want to read through this thread and kind of surface a few of the of the subjects that came up here because I was I was just really fascinated by the the variety of responses. Uh, so first, my posts here. Uh, I started with, "I need to get something off my chest. Buckle up, folks. I'm deeply concerned about the future of the Fediverse and open social protocols." Not because of the recent Twitter news, but quite the opposite. The way so many poo-pooed and decried those efforts was heartbreaking. It shows a severe blind spot in the Libre community. Listen, if you don't understand why Twitter, why iOS, why Microsoft back in the day, etc. is popular, you just don't get this fight. UI slash UX will win with users every damn time. The only way free protocols can get any mainstream traction is if the UI slash UX is as good, if not better, than proprietary alternatives. People will use Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. for the rest of time if the UX is way better. Period. End of discussion. That's why Twitter's foray into open protocols is so important. If they can bring their UX know-how into the discussion, that's a good thing. This can't just be Libre Geek Hacker World forevermore. So I was writing this sort of uh, as a follow-up to the topic that was uh, brought up last episode, episode 45, where I talked about the news from Twitter that uh, Jack Dorsey and the executive team there are uh, spearheading a new initiative at Twitter to investigate uh, open social protocols. So whether they can use existing protocols or develop something new, the idea is that Twitter could basically become part of a federated social networking world across the web that will be made up of a whole bunch of different services and everything will interop with some kind of open protocol. Uh, so I was so excited when I first heard this news and then a whole bunch of people were, were very critical, very negative, very cynical about this whole thing. Um, and, and that really rubbed me the wrong way. So that's why I went on this rant. Uh, and then I got some responses. So I'll read through a few of these here. Uh, Parade Dude Grotesque replied and said, I'm sorry, but have you seen the UI slash UX of Twitter recently? It's atrocious, slow, confusing as all heck, a complete disaster. Mastodon was confusing for me at first, but honestly, the lack of constant attention grabber is a sweet relief. Not saying there's no room for improvement. There's a lot of room for improvement. But I'm honestly not sure at all if Twitter is the best company to turn to for a better Mastodon UI. So I wrote back to him and said, or, or her, and said, in a straight up to up comparison between Twitter.com and Mastodon in a browser, I would agree Mastodon is quite respectable. 
and Twitter does have some issues. But I'm talking more holistically. The process of signing up, finding content you care about, staying engaged with the right kind of notifications, feeling included in important conversations, etc. Also, Mastodon-compatible mobile apps, at least on iOS, are a mixed bag at best. Uh, and we had a bit more back and forth along those lines. Another response here is from Olivier Forget. Uh, sounds like they disagreed with uh, the other person saying that uh, Mastodon is pretty easy to use. Uh, so this person says, I disagree with this from the point of view of a user who is signing up for the first time. The first thing Mastodon asks you to do is pick an instance. Forcing a choice on something they don't yet understand is the worst way to onboard users. And sadly, it's inherent to the design of federated services. Centralized services have a huge advantage here. User gets to make no choices, no instance to choose, no mobile apps to compare. Uh, good friend of the show, Jared Moody, also chimed in here, which is cool. said uh, that, uh, I agree that this is a source of much friction. I consider myself very tech-savvy and didn't understand this at all when signing up. I believe joinmastodon.org has improved a lot since then, though. I agree with Jared on this. The sign-up process alone on Mastodon is poor enough to discourage many. My second highest complaint would be the lack of an official mobile app. People equate service with app. That Mastodon searches yield only third-party apps is disconcerting if you're not expecting it. Another post here from Doc Edward Morbius, who wrote in and said, There's also a hard-to-describe and poorly appreciated dynamic of costs, not in the strictly financial sense but the parties who can drive standards over others will win that particular cost battle and dictate standards. Um, got some more pushback around people uh, saying, you know, the, the folks building these open source tools like Mastodon, uh, there's also PixelFed and others out there, you know, they're, they're doing a good job. They're, they're trying to pay attention to UX and design and so forth. And I respond to that saying, yeah, there's a lot of good work going on, and I don't mean to besmirch anyone's free or open source contributions. I'm just concerned about the general tone of conversation, which discounts commercial software or networks because it's proprietary without understanding the benefits of large, well-funded teams when it comes to UX. We need to respect and learn from their progress, not just ignore or belittle it. Anyway, I could go on and on here, but uh, reading toot threads or tweet threads or anything of that nature on a podcast is <laughs> not the most exciting, so I'll leave it there. I just I thought this conversation was really fascinating. Uh, surprised I got so many responses, um, and it sounds like uh, yeah, the 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 quality of the experience, the quality of the interface on these social tools that we use every day. Uh, I think everyone agrees it's really important. But not everyone agrees on the point of if a uh, if an open source platform like Mastodon is going to win over users versus a commercial s solution that they're already familiar with, and and that whole thing. So uh, yeah, so link is in the show notes. Check out that thread if you want to chime in if you want to. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts. All right, with that out of the way, we're going to go on to the link segment here. Quite a few things to go over. Actually, the first thing isn't so much a link, it's just a, a bit of a story of my experience at the Apple Store a few weeks ago. Uh, as you may know, there is a new Mac in town, a brand new Macintosh computer called the Mac Pro. Yes, the Mac Pro is alive and kicking once again. There is a brand new design 
brand new release of Apple's flagship Macintosh. And uh, the Mac Pro comes along with the brand new Pro Display XDR. All of these things are nosebleed expensive, <laughs> just crazy pricey, definitely out of my league. Uh, but uh, but for people that have uh, full-time jobs or major production houses working on video, working on audio, uh, doing doing any kind of really computing-intensive work, uh, these new machines are, are absolute monsters. Uh, early reviews so far have been very positive. Um, anyway, I, I went to check them out in person at the Apple Store, and honestly, uh, both both the tower machine and the display really feels like the future to me. These feel futuristic. The, the build quality is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the speed and power you get in this machine is off the charts. Uh, and the pro display, oh my God, seeing that in person, looking at it with my own two eyes, uh, I have never seen any computer display like that display. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what five thousand, six thousand dollars, something like that. <laughs> but oh man, it is amazing. If you have access to an Apple Store near you, uh, definitely head over there and check out that Pro Display XDR. Uh, and the way you can pivot around to portrait mode is just wild. Having this giant 30-inch display in portrait mode, I mean, <laughs> I was like, wow, I could, uh, I could enjoy writing some code <laughs> on this portrait display. This, this would be nice. I could write a blog post on this $5,000 display. And <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. Uh, but yeah, I, I was very impressed. And, uh, you know, as many people are saying, the hope here is that Apple can take a lot of what makes the Pro Display XDR cool and awesome and bring that down market a bit to a, a display that's, you know, maybe a couple thousand or so, uh, 1,200, 1,500, somewhere, somewhere in that arena, um, bring some of that technology down market in the future. That would be awesome. Now, I was saying the Mac Pro is outside of my budget, well outside, but I did end up splurging. I did end up getting something. I did end up getting a new Mac at the end of 2019. And this is just a little teaser here because I don't want to get into the full gist of what I got and what I think of it. Uh, so I'm just putting a pin in it right here. And if you want to guess, if you want to guess which Mac I purchased the end of 2019, uh, you can send me a message, jaredwhite.com, and click message. Uh, let me know what you think, uh, and I will, I'll be talking all about that in the next episode. What I got, how I'm using it, why I got it, all of those good things, what I think of it. Uh, so let me know. New Mac, what is it? <laughs> All right, so with that out of the way, on to the next link here. Uh, so this is a crazy story. Absolutely bonkers, very frustrating. Uh, so uh, if you are at all familiar with the world of uh, movie news, uh, movie punditry on the internet, movie blogging, movie, movie shows on YouTube, uh, you're probably familiar with Collider, Collider Video, Collider News. Uh, it's been a big name in that space for quite a long time. 
Uh, and uh, I've been a, a regular watcher of shows on Collider Video for years now. Uh, I've mentioned people in the past that I know through Collider Video, uh, folks like John Campia, uh, Ken Knapsack, uh, Christian Harloff. Uh, there's, there's just a whole bunch of people that have come and gone through the Collider Video shows over the years. Uh, and, uh, and they've also always been uh, very popular, very well done. Uh, honestly, my, my, my standing as a, as a film and TV fan today, the, the, the level of interest, the level of passion I have for, uh, for geek fandom in, in genre television and films, uh, really comes from uh, getting sucked into all the Collider shows. I, I watched Collider Jedi Council, for a long time, that just totally got me into the whole Star Wars thing right before uh, the first Disney-produced Star Wars film came out, The Force Awakens. Uh, watching Jedi Council was, was just awesome for, you know, discussion of the latest rumors and tidbits of news that would come out and, and all that good stuff. Collider Movie Talk was an awesome show all about what's coming in, in the world of film and television. Uh, just so, all kinds of great shows. Uh, so a, a lot of the, the sort of initial cast of characters on Collider Video uh, ha, ha, have been gone over the last year, over the last couple of years, and there's been new people coming through. Uh, and, and it's been a bit of a rocky transition through all of that. But, but I thought that the shows are really finding their footing again, especially Jedi Council. I feel like the last few episodes of that show lately have been awesome. But all of a sudden, right after the new year, just out of the blue, without warning... Uh, there was an announcement by tweet <laughs> from Collider basically saying uh, that uh, the, the majority of all these shows, like Jedi Council, Movie Talk, etc., uh, the majority of these shows, they're just, they're just canceling. Gone. That's it. No more shows. No more episodes. We later found out that the, the folks uh, hosting those shows only found out about this news about an hour before the tweet went out. So they're basically told, like, early that day, don't come into work today, the shows are canceled. <laughs> this is just right after the holidays. So, so that alone was just bonkers. I mean, when I first saw the tweet, when I first saw the news, I was just like, what on earth is going on here? And the reason they gave for canceling these shows is because they wanted to focus on some other kind of video content, Things like uh, deep fakes. Uh, I've been doing these these goofy deep fake videos where like a fake George Lucas is talking about some wacky topic and it's some gimmicky thing. And they want to do like more celebrity uh, interviews and and uh, shindigs that people come out to uh, in L.A. area. And anyway, they have this whole new direction they're going in, none of which interests me in the slightest. I have no interest in anything they're talking about. Like, the only reason I watched Collider Video was for these shows that they canceled. So <laughs> for me, I'm just like, well, go do what you're doing now. I don't give a bleep. It's, that's just ridiculous. Uh, but to make matters worse, like, very soon after the, the official announcement, uh, some dude working over at Collider that like, I had never heard of this guy. A lot of people have been following Collider, have no idea who this guy is, some guy named Jack Hind. And he, he started posting on his Twitter account, talking smack uh, uh, against the, the former hosts of these shows. 
like saying things like, you know, well, too bad your shows weren't getting enough views and the fans should be thanking us for keeping these shows alive for so long when they're losing views and like all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my God, who, who is running, who's running the, <laughs> who's piloting the ship over there? This, this is just absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, uh, so I unsubscribed from Collider. Tons of people on Twitter were talking about how they're unsubscribing from Collider, uh, unsubscribing from their YouTube channel. Uh, and I actually have a link in the show notes because uh, there's a site called Social Blade where you can actually get uh, subscriber counts for popular channels and see on a daily basis if they're gaining or losing subscribers. And you can go there and see that uh, up until January 2nd, uh, the Collider channel was gaining uh, roughly one to 2,000 new subscribers every day. Some days it was about the same, not much difference, but, uh, but they've been gaining steadily. Uh, There's just been a steady climb of subscribers. They basically got all the way up to about uh, 617,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel as of January 1st. And then starting January 2nd, once this news came out, they lost... 3,000 subscribers, and then 4,000 subscribers, and then another 4,000 subscribers. And then on January 5th, they lost 7,000 subscribers. And then on the 6th, yesterday, they lost another 4,000 subscribers. And, and it remains to be seen how many subscribers they're going to lose today. But they have basically wiped out all of the gains that they made the entire month of December. They're, they're back to November last year, <laughs> subscriber counts. <laughs> and, uh, and I expect the bleeding to continue for a while. Uh, so let this be a lesson to you. If you run a YouTube channel, if you run a podcast, if, you, if you're any kind of content creator out there, big or small, let this be a lesson to you. Don't piss off your fans. Don't piss off your fans. I mean, listen, we, we all have to make decisions about what kind of content we're creating. You know, if you're a big operation like Collider, you have to make decisions that are maybe going to be unpopular because of, you know, financials, because of, of businessy things. Uh, that happens. But don't piss off your fans. Don't just be a total jerk about this kind of stuff. You know, it, it, if they wanted to do this right, they would have made an announcement saying, you know, we're winding down some shows, we're going on a bit of a direction change, but, uh, but we know that a lot of the people running these shows are, are incredibly talented and amazing, and we're going to have you know, a final episode to, to celebrate the show and to, to send it, them off with, in style and you know, send in your, I don't know, send in your nostalgic remembrances of your favorite moments on the show and let our hosts discuss. I don't know. That, they could have done like a big, you know, whoop-de-doo awesome thing and had like some advance warning here and, you know, kind of given everyone a heads up about what was coming. Uh, but to just do this tweet like immediately after New Year saying, show's canceled. <laughs> and then we find out the hosts uh, only found that out like an hour earlier don't come in today, you're fired. Like, that, that is just absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. No excuse for this kind of behavior. <sighs> so I'm very upset. I'm very upset about the, the canceling of these shows on Collider. But, you know, on the other hand, I am excited because uh, John Campia continues to be absolutely crushing it over on his channel these days, the John Campia show. Uh, every day, just fabulous, fabulous coverage of movie and TV news, answering listener questions, all kinds of good stuff. 
uh, Christian Harloff and some of his team are on a new uh, initiative they're doing called the Schmodown Network, uh, and they have a regular daily show and a whole bunch of stuff going on now. Uh, and, and a bunch of these other hosts that uh, got kicked out of Collider are ending up either on these, uh, on these existing networks that have sprung up recently or starting their own channels, starting their own shows. Uh, so I'm just trying to, you know, follow everyone wherever they're going and sign up for things and keep, keep tabs on all these people because uh, they're awesome people. They do a great job. All right, that's about as dark as it's going to get here. It's all good news from here on out. This next link is to a fan film. You can watch it on YouTube, and it's called Kenobi. It's a Kenobi fan film, uh, and I thought it was very, very well done. Very, uh, very authentic feeling. You know, this feels like Star Wars. It looks like Star Wars. Uh, The actor that plays Obi-Wan Kenobi in this fan film did an excellent job. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. You know, it's a short film. It's not long, but, uh, but it was very well done. It's one of the best fan films I've seen. So I definitely recommend you check that out. This next link is all about an invisibility cloak. Uh, this company has designed a special kind of material. Um, and it's, it's less high tech than you might think. It, it's less outlandish than you might expect. But it's basically this material where, you know, if you hold it up in front of you or you put it in front of an object... Uh, it obscures the object such that you can't really tell what it is at all. Now, it's not necessarily like, you know, <laughs> like you're going to know something is there, probably. Like, you know, if somebody were just standing on a sidewalk uh, and you were, you know, on the other side of the sidewalk uh, looking at them, like you would know something is there because you'd see this big square of kind of indistinct blurry stuff in the middle of the the scene and you'd be like, you know, what's that? But you couldn't really tell who it is or what it is. It really does obscure whatever is behind this material. So uh, so there's a link, a video about this material and its use in the military or other purposes. And I thought this was really fascinating. Got a link here to an awesome web page called The Deep Sea. And this the guy who created this has a whole bunch of cool stuff that he's built, all, all kinds of web experiments around different topics, different interactive things that uh, really showcases uh, awesome things that you can do on a web page these days. Uh, This one, the deep sea, basically uh, you go to the page and uh, it starts at the surface of the ocean and you just scroll down. And as you're scrolling down, you're, you're basically diving into the ocean, heading into its depths and it, it shows yeah, the typical depths that uh, various types of sea creatures swim around at, uh, how far different kinds of, of human divers have gotten, uh, how how deep uh, different trenches are, different mountains in the ocean. So uh, this is very, very informative, educational, and also great fun. So check that out, The Deep Sea. Uh, and the last link here is our Creator of the Week. And the Creator of the Week... This episode is Becky and Chris. Becky and Chris have a YouTube channel where they uh, often talk about either photography or their adventures in a helicopter that they own. Uh, Chris is a licensed helicopter pilot, and so he is often uh, taking their helicopter out on adventures, and Becky is documenting it and filming things. And uh, uh, They're just an amazing couple. It's an amazing program. 
And uh, they recently did a very, very highly produced, very well done series called Cold Island, all about their travels to uh, Newfoundland and places that they uh, lived in in their childhoods. Uh, so uh, it's it's really an extraordinary series. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think I might have one episode left to watch, but there's, there's several episodes, but it's all course available for free on youtube on their channel so so check out cold island check out becky and chris's channel there Uh, really really good stuff all right so there's some things i want to go into in the world of entertainment uh, movie and tv stuff but before i finish up the program with that today uh, i want to get to listener questions so like i said uh, mixing it up this year switching things around And uh, one of the new things I want to do here is every episode, answer your questions. So there are two ways to get your questions answered here on The Jared White Show. The first way is to become a monthly supporter on Patreon. Like I said, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash essentiallifejared and sign up there for, for any tier starting at $2 a month. Hardly anything, hardly anything, just $2 a month. And uh, whatever tier you select on Patreon, uh, you will become a member, you'll become a supporter of the show, and you can send me a direct message there and ask a question. Or the alternative is, you can buy me a kombucha. (laughs) Yeah, there's a great new service called buymeacoffee.com, and you can change that so it doesn't have to be coffee. You could change it to beer or pizza or kombucha or whatever you want. Um, so, uh, that's what I did. Buy me a kombucha. Um, so you, you'll actually go to buymeacoffee.com slash Jared White. Uh, and that's all you have to do. Buymeacoffee.com slash Jared White. And then you'll immediately uh, get to a very well-designed, very nice looking form, uh, where you can, uh, select a, uh, a kombucha starting at $4 and, uh, send a message. So just right there in the message, you can ask your question. And, and, you know, the, the question could be anything related to the topics that we usually cover here on the show. Uh, like I said at the top of the episode, uh, celebrating the best of internet culture, advocating for an open web, reveling in geek fandom, uh, being a creator of integrity, uh, all of that good stuff. Essentialism, the philosophy of essentialism, uh, otherwise known as minimalism or simple living, uh, all that good stuff. So, uh, so send a question in and you will get it answered here on The Jared White Show. Uh, so today's question that's getting answered is uh, from good friend of the show, longtime friend Jeffrey Ellis, uh, and he wrote in to ask about how to upgrade his older Macintosh computer. Uh, After telling you about my desire to upgrade my OS, I'm starting to have serious problems with my computer. All of a sudden, many apps are not responding, resulting in the SPOD, S-P-O-D, I think it, I think it's supposed to be S W O D, spinning wheel of death, or oh, maybe it's spinning pinwheel of death. That's what he's saying. I got it. Okay, spinning pinwheel of death or spod, and my have, I'm having to force quit and restart my computer a lot. No idea why this is suddenly happening, but it's bad right now. I'm writing this email while I still can, so it seems I need to do something. Either update my OS or get a new computer before this one stops working. Arg. Well, thanks for sending in that question, Jeffrey. Um, so, so I'll answer this in two different ways. Um, on, on the upgrading your OS side of things. So let, let's assume that the slowdowns and the weirdnesses are just sort of a result of, you know, having too much stuff running, too much stuff installed and being an older machine. 
Uh, so, so maybe, you know, you just need to blow it all away, start over, start over with a fresh install. Uh, so that, you know, that, that's a totally valid approach. And actually my recommendation always is, uh, you know, whatever the age of your computer, if you're trying to upgrade the operating system, if you're, if you're more than one, maybe two versions behind one or maybe two, but that's pushing it versions behind and you want to upgrade your operating system, I don't recommend just trying to do the standard upgrade. I, I just don't recommend it. I think, I think your best bet is to make sure you have a full backup, you know, using Time Machine or whatever. Um, you know, back up all your stuff, make sure everything's backed up and in the cloud if possible. And then do a fresh install from scratch. Just, you know, I know it's scary, <laughs> but, but I've done it. I've done it many times. Uh, just, you know, wipe your machine, do a fresh install of the latest operating system. You know, it gives you a chance to, to get everything installed clean and fresh, the latest version. Uh, and then you can, you know, in bits and pieces, copy stuff off your backup and get things set up the way you want. And you will likely find that a lot of things that you had in your previous setup, uh, you don't need anymore. You know, there's probably apps you don't need anymore, that you don't use anymore. Uh, you know, there might be archives of, of documents or photos or, of, or things that, you know, you accumulated over the years that you don't necessarily need anymore. So, uh, you know, in the, in the KonMari spirit, uh, to, to channel our inner Marie Kondo here, this is a chance to, to really go through your digital stuff and discover what sparks joy. And, and only keep, only install, only add things to your new setup uh, that you really, really want. Uh, like I said, I've done this many times. I actually just did it. <laughs> uh, tying into that uh, mysterious teaser I gave earlier about a, a new Mac. So I'll, I'll talk more about that in the next episode. Um, but that's my advice. Uh, instead of trying to, to you know upgrade from an older OS to like another OS version and then another OS version and another OS version, just keep doing those upgrades, uh, you, you'll run into problems that way. However, given the age of your computer, uh, given the, the kind of performance problems you're running into, uh, it might just be time to buy a new machine. And you know, that, that's always a <laughs> decision of last resort. You know, I'm never going to tell somebody like, oh, having some problems with your computer, just buy a new one. Like that's, that's never a good answer. But you know, if your computer's more than a few years old and you know you're having performance problems with it and you have to do a fresh install anyway and go through all that hassle, uh, it really just might be worth it to get a new machine entirely. And uh, I, you know, I, knew, I know new Macs aren't cheap, uh, but there are a lot of options today. There, there are more options in the world of Macs today than there have been in a long time. Uh, the, the laptop lineup is finally getting coherent again. Uh, the MacBook Airs are pretty solid, uh, you know, except for those keyboards, which they haven't replaced yet. But, um, uh, but I think you know, the, the, the very latest iteration of the butterfly keyboards on MacBook Airs are, are somewhat reliable compared to previous iterations. Uh, obviously, if you want to spend a lot of money, the new 16-inch MacBook Pro is really pretty awesome with the brand new keyboard. Uh, but if you're looking at desktops, um, obviously the iMac line is pretty solid. Um, but, but honestly, uh, if you're looking at something that you're trying to, uh, you know, be, be somewhat frugal with, 
the Mac Mini lineup is really quite good now. Uh, the latest iteration of the Mac Mini is pretty impressive. They have beefy processors, fast SSD storage, uh, you know, a bunch of different ports. Um, you know, the graphics card is not great, but if you know, unless you're doing a ton of stuff with really high-end video editing or gaming or something that that really pushes the graphics card, uh, what the Mac Mini comes with is totally sufficient. Uh, and you can get those for not a whole lot. I, I I looked at the base model of the Mac Mini, inspected up a bit, and um, and it really only came to a little bit over a thousand dollars, which is not bad for a Mac. So, so you could get that, and then, uh, and then you have flexibility. You know, you already have a Mac, a mouse and keyboard, most likely, so you can just continue to use those with the Mac Mini. You can uh, can get a cheap display pretty much anywhere and plug that in and use that at first, and then later on, if you want to get some awesome new 4K or 5K display that costs a lot more, you can get one of those and plug it in. Uh, so, you know, so there's there's an upgrade path there. There's a bit of modularity and flexibility. Uh, so I, I, I've always been bullish on Mac Minis. I've owned Mac Minis in the past. And uh, I think that's a pretty good entry-level option uh, unless you want to just go straight for an iMac. All right, so thanks for sending in that question, Jeffrey. And again, if you want to get your questions answered here on The Jared White Show, there are two ways to do it. Become a monthly supporter on Patreon, patreon.com slash essentiallifejared, or buy me a kombucha at buymeacoffee.com slash White. Either way, uh, you can become a supporter of the show and send me your question to get answered right here on The Jared White Show. All right, this final segment of the show, I just wanted to do, uh, I just wanted to do some quick shout-outs of, uh, of movies and TV shows that I saw last year, uh, primarily towards the end of the year, that I thought were worth mentioning. Uh, so much good content, so much. I mean, I just I feel like I'm drowning in extremely high quality, awesome content right now. Uh, not complaining, not complaining, mind you. Uh, but uh, in terms of movies, uh, I ended up getting the uh, the monthly movie pass, forget what it's called, maybe it's just called movie pass, uh, through Regal. So Regal Theaters have uh, an unlimited movie subscription plan that you can get now. Um, it's like $21 a month or something along those lines. And you can pretty much go see whatever movie you want to see at any time, which is fantastic. Uh, so I saw, of course, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I saw Knives Out. I saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Jojo Rabbit, Frozen 2. And there's probably one or two others I'm forgetting right now. But um, got to go see a bunch of cool movies via that plan. And um, so I just want to mention uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So... This has been a very controversial movie, a little bit unexpectedly, because I think the, the the hope was that after The Last Jedi and sort of the, the issues people had with that movie, I think the hope was that, uh, you know, The Rise of Skywalker would be a little bit less controversial, even if it's a little bit more conventional. Um, and that ended up not being the case. There's there's a whole bunch of <laughs> there's a whole bunch of noise out there about this movie. Some people liking it, some people hating it. Uh, some people having mixed feelings about it. Um, I, for the most part, really, really liked The Rise of Skywalker. I really liked it. I actually went out and saw it twice. And uh, I liked it. And, you know, I liked it for different reasons than I liked The Last Jedi. I did like The Last Jedi, although I had some some severe qualms about certain aspects of the plot. 
and what they did with certain characters. Um, primarily Finn. I felt like Finn's character was was very ill served in the Rise of Sky. Sorry, in the Last Jedi, and uh, so uh, so that was one good thing about the Rise of Skywalker. Finn's character got a lot to do in this new movie. Uh, I thought uh, John Boyega did a fantastic job. Um, my one complaint, really, my one main complaint with the Rise of Skywalker, and and this is a spoiler. So if you have not seen that movie yet, uh, maybe jump ahead a minute because I'll, I'll just give this one spoiler because because I want to say what it is I didn't like about it. So spoiler warning. Uh, the one thing I really did not like about the Rise of Skywalker uh, was the whole like, oh, we have a fleet of ships just hiding out here on the Sith planet, uh, and they're all fitted with planet-killing weapons. Oh, as soon as I saw that in the in the plot, I was just like, oh my god, JJ, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I already had to deal with that whole Sky Killer base thing in Force Awakens, which. I didn't really care for that either. That was really my only complaint about uh, The Force Awakens. Otherwise, excellent movie. Uh, don't do this to me again! Uh, planet-killing weapons. Uh, this, that was just ridiculous. That was just ridiculous. Fleet of ships that are all going to go around blowing up planets just seemed completely outrageous to me. Um, but I loved everything else. I loved Palpatine. I loved the the sort of story arc of Rey in this movie, uh, all the way up to the very end. The very the very last sentence uttered in the movie, I loved all of it. I was on board for the whole thing. I thought it was great. Um, uh, the the action, the the different places, the different planets they get to go to, some of the new characters. Uh, I I was on board with all of that stuff. Even the scenes that they got of Carrie Fisher as Leia and the way they tried to use uh, older discarded footage to to integrate into this new movie, uh, I thought they did as good of a job as you could possibly expect with that. Um, So anyway, uh, long story short, loved The Rise of Skywalker, except for that one thing that I just mentioned that I really, really didn't like. Otherwise, uh, Knives Out, I got to see that. Uh, the new movie by Ryan Johnson. I thought that was absolutely fabulous. Really, truly awesome. Uh, I, I was actually surprised how much I love Knives Out. And I guess a lot of people loved it too because it made uh, quite a bit of bank at the box office and they're already uh, starting to work on the sequel. And so, <laughs> uh, so I think Knives Out is a big success for Ryan and uh, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, a good a good murder mystery format, uh, and you don't see a lot of murder mystery type movies that do well anymore. So so this is really quite a quite a fresh and and unique take on that genre. I saw a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which of course is a biopic all about uh, Fred Rogers, and um, it was it was a mixed bag. I, I think Tom Hanks did a great job. As Fred Rogers, uh, I actually was um, kind of apprehensive, honestly, of of seeing the movie at first when I heard that Tom Hanks was going to be Fred Rogers because um, they just seem very different to me in terms of look and build. And Tom Hanks is so iconic; it's hard to see him and you know think anybody other than Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, but he did a great job, and and sort of the whole Fred Rogers side of the movie was cool. Uh, so, sort of the other plot points surrounding his involvement in the story were were kind of odd, kind of strange. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they structured the movie the way they did. Um, but 
Uh, but I did enjoy it. I, I would not recommend people like rush to go see it if they haven't already. You know, if, if you find yourself uh, with nothing to do one day and you're thinking nice thoughts about Mr. Rogers, uh, sure, go see it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, next, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Oh, that was a good movie. That was a really great movie. Of course, uh, uh, created by uh, Taika Waititi and uh, even starring him as Hitler, which is totally bizarre, but it totally worked. Uh, I, you know, like many people have been saying, it, it, it's hard to conceive of a comedic movie starring a kid whose imaginary friend is Hitler. <laughs> I mean, if you just go up to somebody <laughs> at a movie studio and say, hey, uh, I, wa- I have an idea to make a movie where there's this kid in Germany in World War II and, and his imaginary friend is Hitler. Like, that just sounds pretty, pretty bonkers, but, uh, but it worked. It really worked. It was really heartwarming. It was really fun. It was really interesting. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people, a lot of buzz around that movie. A lot of people liked it. Um, it's, uh, looking like it might at least get some Academy Award nominations, if not win something. Uh, so, so hats off to Taika Waititi and that whole thing. Frozen 2, got to see that with the kids, of course. They are so excited about it. Uh, they've actually gone to the theater several times now to see Frozen 2. Um, I didn't care that much for Frozen, I will admit. And you can shoot me now <laughs> if Frozen's your favorite thing. But uh, I saw Frozen, and uh, it just was not quite my thing. Um, and then you know, I had to endure listening to the songs over and over and over and over and over again. So my kids are bananas over Frozen. They have Elsa and Anna dolls and all that stuff. Um, but it's just, it's never really been uh, something that appeals too much to me. Uh, I greatly prefer Tangled and Moana and some of the other recent uh, Disney animated films um, over Frozen. Uh, but I will say, uh, now I've only seen it once uh, so far, but I will say it, Frozen 2 greatly exceeded my expectations. I really loved it. I thought it was, you know, it was a more mature plot. It was a more uh, interesting structure to a story. It was very original. It went in directions I totally was not expecting. Uh, the music was really good. Uh, the, the sort of hit song of this new movie, Into the Unknown, I thought was sheer genius. I, I have that in my head <laughs> at times. And, and every time I, I recollect that song, I, I get a smile on my face. So I loved everything about Frozen 2, and uh, it's, uh, it's done extremely well at the box office, of course. So, uh, yeah, so that was great. Um, and there's some other things that I saw throughout last year at the theater, which I'm forgetting, but, um, but those are some of the highlights and, and my thoughts on those. Turning to streaming TV, so much new stuff, so so much going on. You know, we had the the launch of Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, and everyone is is trying to put their best foot forward with new shows or new seasons of shows. Uh, so I'll just give some really quick mentions here. Um, watched The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, and I very much enjoyed that show. Uh, I. I don't think it was as exciting to me as it is to some Star Wars fans out there. I've heard, you know, this viewpoint of, oh, you know, 
Disney, give us more of the Mandalorian and not the stupid movies. You know, enough with the dumb movies. Uh, they've been they've been a mixed bag, but the Mandalorian is awesome. Do more of that. And I don't really feel that way. I I for the most part have loved the the new Star Wars movies. Force Awakens is one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time, and so uh, so I don't necessarily share this viewpoint. But I did enjoy the Mandalorian very much. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, quite quite well executed as a as a tidy little concept it's, it's a pretty tight story it's a pretty it's a pretty small and that i say that in a good way a pretty small scope for a story uh and you know in a world you know in star wars where you know it's there's always this epic like save the galaxy uh you know fight the evil empire etc cetera, etc cetera. you know to have a story that's around you know very specific characters uh, was was a nice change of pace. I watched The Watchmen. <laughs> Many people watched The Watchmen. Uh, and we all watched them. We all watched The Watchmen. And my opinion of that show is, I have no idea what I just saw. <laughs> this show is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm not familiar with the source material. Uh, I, I never saw the the original movie made by Jack Snyder. I never read the original graphic novel. Um, so so I went into the show knowing nothing, nothing at all. Uh, so you know maybe if I'd had more of the backstory in mind already, it would have made a little more sense at first. But um, but man, the first couple episodes were so out of the blue and wacky and crazy and bizarre and maddening that I almost gave up. Uh, but I continued watching it and got to the end and went, wow, that is some of the best television I have ever seen. And I still have no idea what any of it means. <laughs> yeah, it is out there. But, it, you know, if you if you like your sci-fi uh, a little uh, baked in the noodle, <laughs> if you like it kind of kind of out there uh, and uh, and you want something that's going to you know, make your make your skin tingle in all the right places. Uh, go check out the Watchmen. That was that was quite the show. Uh, turning to Apple TV Plus here, I watched the Morning Show. I'm uh, in the middle of Servant right now. Those are the only two shows on Apple TV Plus I've seen so far. Um, but uh, but those have been both excellent. The Morning Show was truly outstanding. I would say it's uh, one of the best TV shows of 2019. Uh, I was extremely impressed by The Morning Show, uh, and I loved I loved a lot of the the timely topics that came up on the show. You know, a lot of it is about uh, you know sexual predators in the workplace and um, and you know sexual harassment and how uh, that gets covered up in these uh, big uh, entertainment uh, businesses and you know really any large businesses this this can be a real problem um, but the, you know the way they tackled these topics and the way they they handled sort of uh, touching on on me too and and all this timely stuff out in the news these days um, in the context of this TV show about a news program <laughs> the morning show um, just the whole concept was brilliant uh, all the people acting in the show were brilliant uh, really truly outstanding I want to highlight a couple shows on Netflix that have been really impressive. Um, you season two came out, and um, I watched season one of You, and I really liked it. Uh, it's a it's a thriller. Uh, there's some some pretty creepy stuff going on in there, but um, but the the main character who's 
you know, sort of the, shall we say, bad guy, uh, is is shockingly charming. It's a, you know, it's one of these uh, stories where the bad person is is almost somebody you're rooting for because they're just so darn charming, even in the midst of their creepiness and and badness. So, <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed season one and season two. Uh, I I was curious where they would go because season one was a very self-contained story and it was quite unclear where they could go from there. Uh, but I thought season two, if anything, was actually better than season one. Um, truly, a, truly a great job all around from the story to the acting to the the setting. Uh, they they moved from New York to L.A., so it's like a whole different setting, and that in and of itself was fascinating. Um, so I really loved you, season two. I highly recommend you check that out. Obviously, earlier in the year, Stranger Things season three was released, and everyone loves Stranger Things. Everyone is a Stranger Things fan, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Who is not a fan of Stranger Things? Um, uh, I know uh, some people are, felt a bit let down with season two. Uh, I was one of those people. I actually just rewatched it. Um, I'm actually watching Stranger Things through with my kids now, and they're really enjoying it. It's one of the first sort of uh, genre TV uh, shows that they've watched, uh, so they're really enjoying that with me. Um, but uh, so, so I enjoyed season two more this time than the first time I saw it. But I still think that it was a step down from season one. Uh, however, season three, uh, I've only seen that once, but I'll be watching that again as well. Um, but I really love season three, and a lot of people love season three. And some of the new characters and new plot points in the in that season spawned all kinds of new memes and all kinds of fun uh, fan art and conversations online. And... Uh, Got a link in the show notes. Uh, good news. Just today, uh, the announcement came through that they're officially starting filming of season four of Stranger Things. So that's exciting. Uh, anyway, I love season three of Stranger Things. Uh, finally, though, uh, I want to touch on this for sure. The Witcher. The Witcher is a hot new show on Netflix. It's one of the most popular shows that was streamed over the holidays. Uh, one of the top shows right now of of any streaming service, but certainly Netflix. Um, now, listen, I am more of a sci-fi person, less of a fantasy person. I'm not generally big on the fantasy genre. You know, obviously, I've seen movies like Lord of the Rings and into that sort of thing, I guess. But um, but I've never seen Game of Thrones. I never watched that, uh, and you know, some of the other sort of fantasy type. Uh, shows that have come and gone I have not gotten into. Um, but I was I was hearing really good things about The Witcher, so uh, I started to watch that, and I got sucked in right from the first episode. I loved everything about that first episode, and every episode since. Uh, in fact, I, I feel like uh, The Witcher uh, is, is somewhat unusual in that every single episode is, is just top-notch. Every single one. I didn't feel like there was any filler episode. Under, uh, unlike The Mandalorian and even The Watchmen, I felt like every single episode of The Witcher was strong, was really strong, and did excellent, uh, did an excellent job of moving the plot forward and and you know giving us more insight into the main characters and the journey they're on. 
independently and and you know eventually we see how it all starts to fit together into a, a singular plot thread um just every episode of the witcher was great um henry cavill as uh geralt of rivia uh he is just off the charts fantastic this is hands down my favorite role that i have seen henry cavill in i've you know i've seen him as superman i saw him in uh mission impossible uh, and I actually fo- forgot that I'd seen him a very early role. He was in an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, and I didn't even realize that until uh, recently when I was kind of browsing around YouTube looking at Henry Cavill stuff. And it's like, wait, he was in that? Um, but he is so great as The Witcher, as Geralt of Rivia. And uh, everyone else is great. Uh, the actress that plays Yennefer, uh, I forget her name now, but she is fantastic oh my gosh and smoking hot so (laughs) that doesn't hurt but um no she's a fantastic actress and does a great job as the nfr uh and just you know all even even side characters even sort of minor side characters on the show are great uh the bard the the bard you know if you start watching the show you'll know who i'm talking about (laughs) the bard on the show who sings the song that everyone is uh, getting stuck in their heads and Toss a coin to your... Uh, I, I won't even get into it, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, The Witcher. Uh, go see that if you like fantasy at all. Go see that right now. It's one of, the, my, one of my favorite shows of 2019. And they're, uh, they're going to be doing a season two of that. So very exciting. All right, so that's the end of this episode. There will be a bonus episode for my patrons. So if you go to patreon.com, become a member there, and you will get a bonus episode to go along with this one, where I will be uh, addressing an article that I saw uh, from The Atlantic uh, talking about the 2010s, the, the decade that's just finished. Uh, and the author of the article said that the 2010s were just really a continuation of the 2000s, just all kind of bled together. And, you know, we're still living in the the 2000s era, basically. And I completely and utterly disagreed with that assessment. I have a completely different take on that topic. Uh, so, so I'm going to talk about my feelings about the decade that just finished, the 2010s, and what changed for me, what changed for the world, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm going to... Uh, make that the topic of the bonus episode. So uh, go to patreon.com slash essential life Jared and check that out when it comes out later today. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for becoming a supporter of this show, for listening to this show, for sending in your questions and messages. Thank you so much. Uh, I am just unbelievably excited and jazzed about uh, the future of the Jared White show and what I'm going to be doing this year. Uh, really stepping it up. So, um, so you know, keep sending in those questions, keep sending in those ideas and feedback. Uh, it's all extremely helpful. Um, as always, you can go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to uh, see uh, all the episodes of this show and to get in touch with me and, um, and let me know what you think about this new format as well. I'm curious uh, how that, uh, how that sits with you. All right. So, Once again, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye.